It's time for a Big Blue Kickoff Live. Nobody can ever tell you that you couldn't do it because you're dead. On Giants.com. You know what I saw? New York Giant Prime. And the Giants mobile app. 17-14 at the final. One touchdown, we are world champions. Believe it, and it will happen. Part of the Giants Podcast Network. Let's go out there like a bunch of crazy dogs. Have some fun. Welcome into a Monday afternoon edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live presented by Cadillac, the official luxury vehicle of the New York football giants. Thanks for being with us. My name is Madeline Burke alongside Lance Meadow. You can chime in. The phone number is 201-939-4513. Find us on Twitter at hashtag Giants Chat. I'm at Madeline Burke. He's at Lance Meadow, M-E-D-O-W. And as a reminder, you can find the archive of this show and our entire podcast network on the Giants mobile app, podcast platforms everywhere, and Giants.com slash podcast. It's Monday, October 23rd, but better yet known as Victory Monday. After the Giants got the win over the Commanders yesterday at MetLife Stadium, Lance, it's great to get a win. It's great to get a win in the division. It's great to get a win when you score offensive touchdowns in the first half. Uh, overall, good energy, good vibes on a Monday. Yeah, it was a Sunday of first, yeah. which is exactly what you're getting at because it was quite some time since they found the end zone. Actually, it was the first time in the first half this season that they found the end zone, the first time also at home that they were able to punch it in. So encouraging signs from that standpoint. But I think really the standout crew from yesterday is the defensive unit. What they did to that commander's offense in the first half, they – Went three and out six times out of eight possessions, and they held them to seven points. And Madeline, when you think about it, if Sterling Shepard doesn't muff the punt, right. I don't even know if Washington gets on the board at all yesterday. Right, because that muff punt just put the commanders in that field position and enabled them to get into the end zone. But other than that, they were struggling to convert. I mean, Washington was one, in fifth, one of 15 yeah. on third down. Uh, didn't really get the first downs going until very, very late in the game. Defense did an incredible job putting pressure on Sam Howell. We talked about we saw the we saw the sexy Dexy sack dance many times. <laughs> uh, we saw pressure coming from Kayvon Thibodeau, from uh, Jason Pinnock. You know, you get the safety putting the getting a sack out of the team eight. effort. Yeah, yeah. T, team effort indeed. Uh, and then of course another game winning the turnover battle two to one in that regard as well. Well, they lost the turnover battle because remember they only got the one from Sam Howell. Oh, right, right, and right. Yeah, Giants coughed the ball up yep. twice, okay. but it didn't come back to bite them. But it didn't bite that them. Was You're right. The big You're right. thing, and they also scored a touchdown off of the interception by Deontay Banks, right? Which was also something that has been troublesome because what I preach all the yeah. time is takeaways are great. It's all about what you do with them. Well, they actually did something with the takeaway. But what you were hitting on with respect to the sacks, here's the first time I would say in quite some time, Madeline, where. We're talking about the Giants are going up against an opponent that has a major weakness, and their weakness was playing the trenches. Mm -hmm. Sam Howell was sacked more than any other quarterback in the NFL this season, 34 times. And it hasn't always been the case where the Giants capitalize. They take advantage of that. Here's a game where the Giants, they identified the weakness of the opposition, and they made them pay because Mm -hmm. of the first half— you can tell me all you want about Sam Howell may have held on to the ball a little too long, and he's been doing that this season. He didn't stand a chance. I mean, that Giants defensive front made mashed potatoes out of the Washington offensive line. I mean, they could not stop the guy, specifically in the interior, right. because that's where a lot of the pressure was coming from. You were referencing Dexter Lawrence. So it was a dominant performance in the trenches, which unfortunately the Giants, when you think about it, have been on the wrong end of, because Dallas and Seattle earlier this season took advantage of the Giants' offensive line. Well, here's an example where the Giants did the complete opposite, and that really set the tone. And you're right. Washington got its act together. I thought they made some adjustments. Sam Howell and company, they moved the pocket 
So they tried mm-hmm. to counter the Giants' defensive front. But even with that being said, when you go one for 15 on third down, I mean, you're lucky you get seven points out of a game like that. It's virtually impossible to stay on the field, let alone score points. So the Giants' defense answered the call and then some. And this is really the second straight performance because they did a really nice job against Josh Allen and company. They held them to 14. That's 21 points in the last two weeks. You do that, you're at least putting yourself in a position to remain competitive. Mm-hmm. Offense has to score more, of course. Sure. But the defense is definitely meeting them halfway in then zone. Well, and yeah, and you mentioned, too, that this is the time that the offense was able to capitalize off of those defensive plays. You know, the Tay Banks interception leads to a 32-yard Saquon Barkley uh, touchdown. You yeah. know, you—, you have that complementary football defense leading to offense leading to defense which is something that this team has been preaching for weeks and weeks and weeks and the arrow has been pointing up and this team has been trending in the right direction and we're seeing tangible movement towards where you think that this team needs to be where we wanted this team to be where you'd expected this team to be coming into the season getting Darren Waller involved in the way that he was he was seven of eight for 98 yards and a touchdown he had the first touchdown of the First half, of course, on National Tight Ends Day, nonetheless, as well. So, uh, great way to celebrate. I'm sure right that's there. why they target him on that. Oh, day. absolutely. Yes, that absolutely. was the priority. It's a holiday, ladies and gentlemen. It 100%. is a real sure. Hallmark holiday. But you also yes. see Jalen Hyatt getting involved. Um, two catches, 42 yard long, of course, that one down the sideline yeah. where he had the presence of mind to keep his toe drag swag inbounds. Uh, an incredible play, too. And, it, you know, the way that the, the long yardage plays, the chunk plays, the Giants had six plays. Of over 20 yards. Well, they had seven, actually, because Taylor ran for one, too. True, So that's the seventh one. Yeah. Yeah. So the fact that they were able to get those chunk plays going, uh, that is just a positive... uh, yeah, positive movement for, for this offense. Oh, it was huge. Uh, if you look at the offensive side of the ball, I mean, we talked about the pressure on defense. If you were to ask me, okay, well, what's the most encouraging sign on the opposite side of the ball? It's the splash plays. It's the right. chunk plays. It's the explosion that really was nowhere to be found earlier this season because this is a team that can't go 10 plays, 12 play drives. Something negative is going to happen, a penalty, a sack. And mm-hmm. also on the Darren Waller touchdown drive, which was also a rare occurrence, you had Taylor was sacked prior to that, if you recall, and then Justin Pugh was called for a hold. So they actually had the negative play, yet they still managed to overcome that. So that was something that we have not seen, but... And Seven in a way plays. too, and in a way that almost helped them out, right? Because that that it gave him more space, giving him yeah. more space. And you know, people talk about how hard it is to convert the red zone is because the defense has a smaller field to defend too. Yeah, you have to spread it out a little yeah, bit. Sure. You, you know, you maybe got a little more room to work yeah. with. Well, that's why you have to be able to run the football right. in the red zone because right. of those tight parameters. And here, yeah, they actually maybe they gave themselves a blessing in disguise by giving them some breathing room. I know a lot of people, just a quick side note, brought up the fact that Ron Rivera decided to accept the penalty as opposed to decline it. But, I mean, I think you got to understand that it would have been a fourth and two for the Giants. Maybe Brian Dable keeps his offense on the field. There's no guarantee Mm -hmm. that the Giants are just going to settle for three points when they're knocking on the door. So, I mean, you really can make the argument both ways, but the Giants are not losing sleep over the decision-making of Ron Rivera. I will tell you that. But getting back to the splash plays, that was something that was the missing ingredient Mm -hmm. over the course of the first six games. Now, is it going to continue to play out that way? It's hard to tell. I think the offensive line did a nice job protecting Tyrod Taylor. Okay, he's not able to throw down the field to Jalen Hyatt if the offensive line doesn't come through. But the other thing that I thought was critical was if you look at those splash plays, Madeline, it was a mix. It wasn't all home runs. Saquon, you mentioned on the touchdown, that was a short catch and run. He created after the catch. 
Wandell Robinson. Yeah, he skirted a couple defenders. 100%. On yeah. Wandell had a 22-yard yeah. catch and run. And that wasn't a deep pass. That was him and his shiftiness. And then Tyrod Taylor, I mentioned, ran for 20. So you've got to be able to, in today's NFL, it can't just be playing for the home run. You have to be able to get yardage after the catch. Mm-hmm. And we had not seen a lot of that also in the early stages of the season. So I think it's twofold mm-hmm. as to what happened with respect to those plays. No, that's a great point because it's uh, you can't just get the ball and then go down where you get it. That you yep. got to be able to get that yak yardage and the Giants were absolutely doing that. And and you know, before we move on to the callers, we just got to give a hat to Tyrod Taylor. Um, the fact that like this is the reason you need a solid backup quarterback, somebody who can come in, execute the offense, run the offense in the absence of the starting quarterback. He was 18 of 29, 279 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions, um, able to move the ball and able to capitalize off of a very favorable, favorable matchup. You know, styles win fights. We talk about this all the time. The way that these two teams match up worked well for the Giants and they were able to execute. They were able to uh, take advantage and capitalize on some of these situations. Well, Tyrod is providing, I think, what most people who have watched him over the course of his career, he's done. So, I mean, this is not surprising. I wholeheartedly agree with you in terms of the importance and value of a backup quarterback. It's a luxury in today's NFL. Most teams just can't afford somebody like a Tyrod Taylor, but they prioritized this offseason because of what they went through in 2021 when Daniel Jones also went down. But, you know, he's going to make good decisions. He's not going to press the envelope. He's accurate. And he's not going to do anything that comes back to hurt you or bite you. Okay, he may not make every single play. He may not go above the X's and O's. But he's going to do enough to put the offense in a position to capitalize. And that's what you saw at least in the first half. Right. Second half, did the offensive production fall off? Sure. I think part of that was they just weren't able to finish drives, Madeline. That's why the game ended in a position where most would say, okay, well, if Saquon doesn't fumble the ball, maybe at worst you get a field goal. If Sterling Shepard doesn't muff the punt, maybe Washington doesn't get a score. Then you look at some of the other third down conversions in the second half, a play here, a play there, and it adds up. It's the cumulative effect. Now, the defense did a stellar job. They finished. But I think moving forward, the lesson to take away still is when you hang around this teen area, right? okay, when you get nine points in Buffalo, you get 14 at home, you're still walking that tightrope. Mm-hmm. And that's what I think you want to see moving forward. Can they get into the 20s? Okay? You got to be realistic because you're not going to make that significant of a jump. But if you can get drives to finish a little bit quicker and sooner and get field goals even on those drives, that could go mm-hmm. a long way where if the Giants had 20 points, even if Washington is in position at the end of the game, you're not sweating it out. Right. And you're not hoping that your defense makes a stop on fourth and goal. So I would say that's the one area that if the Giants are looking at themselves in the mirror, there's definitely more room for improvement from that standpoint. Absolutely. An incredible hat tip to the defense for the way they held the ground late in that game. Uh, and you mentioned you know, the Sterling Shepard muff punt. That was a pivotal point for the commanders, especially. It was the it led to their lone score of the game. But... Eric Gray starts the game in the return. He goes out with a calf injury. Sterling Shepard comes in in the interim. If you look at the flip card for these games, for this game, in the depth chart, Sterling Shepard's not on the depth chart in punt return or kick return. This was a this was a decision that was made to say, hey, you know what, we're going to put you in here. Uh, they later pivoted to Darius Slayton, who is on yeah. the depth chart, and and got in there and got some reps in uh, in the return game as well. But so for Sterling Shepard, this is something that yes, he has done, he does, too, but he's not on a regular basis and a consistent basis. And so and it's just one of those plays that you know you talk about the return game. I was talking to Amani Tumor about this yesterday. Amani returned quite a bit, and and he talks about the difference and the trajectory of the ball and all that kind of stuff. And so for somebody who's not quite as used to being in that position, 
is a tough thing to do. Yeah, if you're not doing it regularly in games, it's twofold also. It's not just Eric Gray. Remember, Dory Jackson was inactive. Exactly. So exactly. Dory, also, he would have been a candidate right. with Eric Gray going down to maybe step in, which also coincidentally goes back to, if you remember the debate last season when Dory got hurt, mm-hmm. this is why I campaigned for, if he's your best option, whether he plays defense or offense, you put him in that position because you don't want to run the risk of putting somebody that's not used to being that position right. because things like this will happen. And to your point, Sterling, not that he's not capable of doing it, but it's not a regular gig for him. So exactly. when you throw somebody into that mix, and I'm not making excuses for Sterling, but in fairness, it was windy at yeah. MetLife Stadium yesterday. Okay, that played a role. Remember, Graham Gano misses a field goal early. And when you're used to taking a ball off a right-footed kicker versus a left-footed kicker, sure. the, the spin of it goes different. If you're taking the angle and all that kind of stuff, there's Tressway. so many yeah. little little details that go into it that if this is not your wheelhouse, that you may not remember or recall. Yeah, well, and that's why Tress Way is a great punter Mm -hmm. who's got a unique leg. Like I said, the wind factor, and now you're throwing Sterling Shepard into a bit of uncharted territory. So you combine all three of those factors, you could understand. It doesn't mean you accept it. It doesn't mean you're happy about it, but you understand maybe why things like that happen. But this is why... You always have to have sometimes three or four guys ready right. because you just you don't know what the flow of the game is going to be like. Case in point, Saquon also gets hurt, man. And let's not mm-hmm. overlook that. You know, he had a sleeve on with the arm. You were down Eric Gray, Gary Brightwell also with the mm-hmm. hamstring issue. Yep. So you didn't have to go down that road. But what happens if Saquon could have finished the game? And right. then you're down your other two running backs. I mean, think about how that changes the dynamics of things. This is why coaches will tell you all the time. And I mean, Thomas McGahee, he preaches that. You know, he always talks about the gumbo. Yeah. And making the gumbo, right? Exactly. Because you got different ingredients every week. Well, what's in the cabinet? And sometimes they take away ingredients from you Mm -hmm. on the table while you're making the gumbo, which is what happened yesterday. So, I mean, this is the nature of the NFL. And I'm sure that they're going to experiment this week because I know Brian Dable met with the media before we came on and he was asked about the punt return situation. And he said, you know, they may be trying out a few guys in that department, depending on, of course, the health of some of the regulars. Absolutely, absolutely. Before we get to the callers, we want to remind you to join us on Sunday, November 5th at Blue Ale House in Riverdale, New Jersey to watch the Giants take on Las Vegas. Enjoy Modelo drink specials, meet a Giants legend, and enter a raffle to win game tickets and more. Visit Giants.com slash Bar Network to learn more. That's Sunday, November 5th at Blue Ale House. It's a Monday. Big Blue Kickoff Live. The phone number is 201-939-4513. Let's head over to the phone lines, shall we? And we've got uh, James in Georgia holding on line two. James, how you doing? How you doing? What's going on? Marilyn, what's going on, Lance? You got a couple things. I'm going to try to uh, make it quick. Um, Lance, I know you talk about our, um, John, they talk about the production per dollar thing, right? Um, what are we getting out of Paris Campbell? Um, you know, I don't see any production coming out of him from the bench. He's going to be, you know, the next Kenny Galladay on the team. Um, well, in I, fairness, how many times was he uh, even targeted yesterday? Who, uh, Paris Campbell? Yeah, how many times was he targeted yesterday? I, I don't even know how many snaps he, uh... Well, that's what I'm saying. I'm looking up his snap count, but I can tell you he was not targeted one time yesterday. Right. So, so, you know, but but my point is when you make an in. argument about the dollar per production, guys got to get on the field in order to have that type of an impact. I mean, who thought of it that he's not getting on the field? Well, I mean, once again, Campbell, I'm looking it up. He played four snaps yesterday. That was his total. That was it. I mean, and if he's not showing enough in practice, you know what I mean, then the the contract we signed 
him to is not getting the production for Dollar. Not you well, know there I mean? could it's be not married like reasons. Don't want to put it's him not, on. Yeah, it's not. It could be. He could that, be yeah. hurt. It could be. Yeah. Could but be a matchup. We're not it could getting be, what we, Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, on the surface, has he lived up to what they brought him in to do? Right. I mean, you can't necessarily right. argue with that. Games now, sure. And but, he hasn't really given. But, but I also thing, so. think, I also think, if you look back at what Brian Dable had talked about over the last few games, they had shortened the rotation of the receivers, if you recall, because he was specifically asked mm-hmm. about this, and there was going to be more of an emphasis on Wandell Robinson and Jalen Hyatt and getting some of these young guys more snaps. And if you look at the snap count. Those guys, as well as Isaiah Hodgins, played the bulk of the snap. So I don't know necessarily if it's an indictment of what Paris Campbell is not doing. It could be more of what those other younger guys are doing, and they say, hey, we want to prioritize developing them and getting them on the field. I don't know the answer to that. It's a fair claim, meaning you want a guy who you bring in in free agency to give you a return. But it may be a little bit out of his control that it's not necessarily him not producing. It's the fact that they're prioritizing the younger guys at this point. All right, all right. Um... I want to say, I called us like last week sometimes, I said Hyatt needs at least four deep attempts a game. I know uh, Howard was kind of saying the same thing, that you just got to throw it up there to him sometimes because three things are going to happen. It's going to be incomplete. He's going to, you know, catch the ball or they're going to get a pass interference or something. Well, the, the one that would keep fast. in mind. No, no, I, I agree with you, James, but just let me <laughs> dra- remember there was one where he had to switch to play a defensive back. Where it was almost right. an interception. And there should have right. been, yeah. been a flag on that one as well because the guy that well, Hyatt has a lot to learn as well as keeping it like keeping more to the inside of the field. That guy was preventing him from getting to the ball, which should have been the pass interference for, you know what I mean, in itself. It could, yeah, and I mean, he also had that incredible grab but, that uh, almost not, was a touchdown, the one arm grab. Right, as well. the one, so, that yeah. should have been a flag too, but we're not going, you know. Well, I mean, we could sit here James and argue is over for, here saying right. laundry day, I mean, James, laundry yeah, day, I mean, throw it on them. We could throw flags on every right. single play in the trenches, James. I mean, you know it's not right. going to go according to plan. And, I mean, I, I did think right. the defensive back made a nice play to knock the ball away. It was a tough – it would have been a tough catch for Hyatt to make even yeah. if he didn't have a defender. Oh, and yeah. great presence yeah. of mind for Hyatt yeah. to say, okay, let me switch gears here. Let me make sure he doesn't come down with it if I'm not going yeah, to. exactly. Yeah. Well, and that's why sometimes okay. a receiver has to make the change and you got to flip the script and become a defender. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, my, my last two things. Um, we see Taylor, he's, um, you know, running the offense with what we got. Jones doesn't have much. I think he has like a half or a game to show what he can do with what's out there. And if it doesn't look the same as what Taylor's been making. Only took us 22 minutes to get to it. You're our first one. We we were waiting, James. Come on, come out and say it. Come out and say it. There we go. It only took 22 minutes. There we go. And we got only to caller number but one. There gonna, we go. Yeah. Because you're gonna give, because you're gonna give Jones his chance. You're gonna give Jones a chance. But if it looks like if it looks like a blowout against some of these teams, like we're make at least making it look competitive against the Bills. We made it competitive. That was a game we we it wasn't supposed to be as such, right? Sure. And if Jones well, but comes it, back and again we're getting blown out, then we see what the problem is. Well, yeah, but, but, but James, in, in fairness, and, and listen, I appreciate the phone call, but in fairness. Thanks for the call, James. This is where context and the caliber of the competition needs Absolutely. to be brought into the conversation. Number one, okay, and this has nothing to do with the quarterbacks. The defense has played its two best games yeah. in the last two weeks. Absolutely. Okay? So when you say the team has been more competitive, Madeline, you have to take that into consideration. Okay, this is not excuse 101 for Daniel Jones, but the defense was not performing 
sure. when Daniel Jones was out there like it did against Buffalo and Washington. So that's number one. As I mentioned, I've been a big fan of Tyrod Taylor. Okay? Yeah. I will be the last person to say that he doesn't deserve more and more of an opportunity. But they invested in Daniel Jones. He unfortunately got hurt. And I don't think that they're even entertaining the idea on top of the fact that, as I mentioned earlier, Madeline, the offense has scored 23 points in the last two games. Right. If the offense had scored 80 points with Tyrod Taylor at the controls, maybe we have something to talk about. Okay? I'm not trying to create a controversy. Maybe we have a discussion. When an offense scores 23 points without the starting quarterback and they've had mixed results with him, you don't necessarily make an overwhelming case that it warrants shaking things up dramatically. So when you say the team has been more competitive, that's a product of the defense, maybe more so than what necessarily is just going on on offense. I think the team as a whole is trending in the right direction. Sure. The team as a whole is, you know, correcting their mistakes week in and week out and, and addressing some of the issues week in and week out. And I think, it, like you mentioned, the team as a whole invested in Daniel Jones as a quarterback and said, this is our guy. So this is Daniel Jones's job and this is Tyrod's job to be backup quarterback and to keep that spot warm until you know Daniel's neck is healthy and all and that's just that's just the way that things are right now and to your point yes if it was an egregious like you said you know lopsided performance maybe that would be a conversation but right now I don't think it's a genuine real conversation having Saquon Barkley back helps a little sure, bit well, that's too. another fact. yeah that's yeah, another element Pearson. too yeah. yeah good call Pearson yeah, yeah having sure. Saquon back having you know those other elements that are also in uh cohesion yeah. with that as well. Well, and here's the other thing, Madeline. Until Daniel Jones gets clearance to play, exactly. there, there's really nothing to talk about. Tyrod's going to continue to be the starter. Exactly. They're going to continue to operate the way they do. And then when Daniel is healthy and ready to return, it, assuming, goes back to regularly scheduled programming. Right. But, and I mean, right now, Tyler Tyrod Taylor's taking advantage of his opportunity, and rightfully so. And how lucky are the Giants that they have a backup quarterback in Tyrod Taylor? That is an is a incredible talented quarterback has been a starter in this league before and has shown the ability to take control of a team and lead a team in that way uh, and get the offense some productivity sure. down this stretch um, Giants fans make sure you go and subscribe to the Giants Huddle podcast it features long form interviews with Giants players coaches and front office staff past and present plus hear from the best analysts covering Big Blue and the NFL search for Giants Huddle and subscribe on your favorite podcast platform or go to Giants.com slash podcast. And don't forget, if you're on our Apple podcast, leave a five-star positive review for all of our Giants podcasts. Let us know what you think. Like, comment, subscribe, all that good stuff. It's a Monday Big Blue Kickoff Live with Madeline Burke and Lance Meadow. 201-939-4513 is the phone number. As we go back to the phone lines, Rob in Yonkers is holding on live one, line one. Rob, you're on with Lance and Madeline. How you doing, guys? Happy Victory Monday. Happy Victory Monday to you, too. Uh, well, you guys already answered some of my questions about Tyrod Taylor because I'm actually the next person who's asking, like, hey, what happens if he does better than Daniel Jones? <laughs> but you guys answered my questions. Well, um, well it was but, good talking with you, Rob. Yeah, thanks, for, <laughs> thanks for calling in. Thanks for the phone in. call. No, no, what, what, what else you got? got? What do you yeah. got, Rob? Um, all right, so I'm, I'm also happy that um, Washington um, took, uh, took the, a step to the penalty because I feel that it, it actually gave us a touchdown. That, um. And as and as far as um Thibodeau, uh this is like two chances in a row. He has butterfingers. We we, we kind of need Thibodeau to catch to catch these um these footballs when they're actually like right in your hands and you have like a, a clear a clear view to the end zone. Oh yeah, it's tough. I mean, Kayvon even admitted it on our post game show yesterday on on uh, MSG and on the Giants mobile app. 
that he was saying, you know, I just, it was like, it went from an interception to a punt return real quick. He saw the ball. He saw yeah. nothing but green grass. And he caught himself looking at the field ahead. And, you know, 101, you got to catch the ball and then look at it. And he knows, he knows he's going to be getting flack for it for <laughs> quite a while. And I have um, one more question. I'll take it off air. Um, as far as our offense, do you guys feel that we have, do we have the same offensive line that we have with Daniel Jones, that we have with Tyrod Taylor. Why I ask that? Because I just feel Tyrod Taylor is doing better than Daniel Jones with the, kind of the same offensive line. Well, you know, they brought in they brought in Justin Pugh. They got Tyree Phillips, a guard back off of the Eagles practice squad, who is very familiar with the Giants. Uh, he came in. Um, they switched uh, Marcus McKeithen over to the and left Glowinski, guard. Yeah. And Glowinski, and switching sides there. You got Bredesen kind of getting acclimated to that center spot now. Uh, so I think a little bit is coming with with time and and as this group is getting used to working together as opposed to just that hodgepodge being thrown together for that first couple of weeks as guys were dropping like flies the first couple of weeks. Of yeah, season. I mean you still have a lot of movement on the offensive line, so I think sure. it's the same from that standpoint. Daniel was dealing with changes, so was Tyrod Taylor, but I think now you have a few more veterans that you're mm -hmm. turning to, and Phillips, his familiarity was not something that Daniel had to work with. Justin Pugh now has a few weeks under his belt where he's a little bit more familiar. And Daniel, he had been exposed to the likes of Bredesen and Glowinski and McKeithen a little bit. So I don't think there's anything dramatically different there. We'll see. You know, I think you need to see two straight games with the same offensive line. I mean, we've had six combinations in seven games. So yeah. I don't think any quarterback has had a tremendous advantage in that regard. I do think, though, the offensive line has performed better right. in the last two weeks. I also think... The coaching staff has made the necessary adjustments. For example, in the Buffalo game, and this is exactly what Eric Bieniemy did for Sam Howell yesterday, they rolled the pocket. Yep. So you had off the snap, the quarterback rolled. They did that very effectively against Buffalo. It didn't give the pass rush an opportunity to get home. And Washington, I think for the most part, they held their own. Chase Young had a good game, and we saw Montez Sweat. They had four sacks. So Washington was still able to get some pressure, but it wasn't as damaging those type of plays right. as we saw in previous contests. So I think while the movable parts are still there, I think the level of play out of the offensive line has been improved. And Absolutely. that is a distinct difference for Taylor versus Daniel Jones. Absolutely. Absolutely. I can see it. Uh, Giants fans, take your fandom to the next level with a season ticket membership. Stay connected to the club all year round, not just on game days. Memberships are now available for the 2023 season. To learn more about all the exclusive membership benefits visit giants.com slash tickets limited inventory is available 201-939-4513 donnie and queens on the line donnie you're on with lance and madeline hey guys happy monday happy monday uh, madeline nice job in the post game yesterday that i could hear the wind whipping on my television set thank you i was watching that was not easy conditions for it, you guys it was not when sean o'hara admits that he's cold that's how you know <laughs> he was standing there because i really wish i brought a jacket <laughs> yeah I, I noticed he kept putting his hands back in his pockets yeah um, yeah that so was lance i'm glad you're on because we, we've talked about the punt returner situation quite a few times um, and you had pointed out in the preseason that, you know, maybe they didn't have the luxury to keep a specialist uh, at that spot. I think the way things have played out, there are guys who are getting jerseys on game day who are either contributing on a down-to-down -down basis, a rotational basis, or on special teams, where that's certainly something they could look to because th this is going to cost them a game at some point. They they've, kind of, they've kind of gotten away with it uh, the first few times here. 
I think the Eric Gray uh, experience is over. But, you know, overall, just great to see the team get a win. You know, you mentioned it earlier. You know, they haven't always been able to take advantage of other teams having weaknesses. They were able to do that yesterday. And certainly looking forward, it's not a murderer's role quarterback. So, you know, if the team can get a little bit healthier and continue to play some good defense while the offense, you know, maybe makes that climb to that 20, 23-point-per-game type team like we kind of saw last year, they can make things fun uh, towards the end of the year. So just my, my, my thoughts on the game. And, uh, you know, I hate the Jets probably more than any team in professional <laughs> sports. So let's go get another one next weekend. Have a good day, guys. Thanks, right. Donnie. Thanks for the call. Well, and you look at the Jets, you know, clearly they've had some offensive line issues. Yeah. Uh, they have a young quarterback similar to Washington, though Zach has had a little bit more experience out mm-hmm. there compared to Sam Howell, who is now a starter for the first time. So I'm sure Wink Martindale is going to be ultra-aggressive in trying to make him feel uncomfortable. But, you know, once again, I agree with the last sentiments, which is, as I said earlier in the program, the offense, you just need more production point-wise. It's, it's going to be very tough sledding when you hang around in the mid-teens, and for any team. Sure. You know, New England is down there with the Giants in terms of scoring average, and look at the start and the struggles they've had. It's no coincidence. I mean, you look at a team like the Dolphins, and I know they lost yesterday to the Eagles, but Madeline, the Dolphins, who were number one in scoring, I mean, this is a team that's averaging nearly 40 a game. Exactly. So when you do the math well, between when the you, Dolphins and the Giants. When you do the Dolphins average, though, I feel like that's very inflated because they had a 70-burger on Sure, there. no, that's fair. But, yeah. I mean, listen, the law of average, it's yeah. going to come down in the last few weeks. You sure, know, we, We're sure. a few games following yeah. that Broncos game. So, you know, you figure the numbers, to your point, they're going to balance out. But, I mean, even if you go to a team right under Miami, we still have a yeah. few teams that are in the 30s area. So 30s versus the Giants came into yesterday averaging under 12 a game. Right. I mean, that's still, we're talking about a difference of nearly three touchdowns. Exactly. So that's just to put things in perspective where this offense is from at least a production standpoint. The good news is they've been moving the ball better, right. but now it's a matter of finishing drives because you can't take 300 total yards of offense to the bank and exchange it in for brownie points. You need to have that show up in terms of the points on Sundays. And if they do that, you know, just think about how much you're alleviating the defense True. where you know you're not putting the defense with its back against the wall where they have to be essentially perfect yeah. and make every single stop and every single play because you're going to go up against other offenses coming up that are more talented than Washington and have mm-hmm. better offensive lines and may have a better conversion rate than one for 15 on third down. So as good as the defense is, my point is they're human. Yeah, there's going to be some mistakes and you have to at least give them the wiggle room to operate like that. Right. Absolutely. That's a great point because you don't want them to have to be the pressure of perfection and flawlessness. Sure. Uh, if the offense can't balance it out, too. And you're, you know, going up against the Jets team that's coming off a bye after a pretty huge win over the Eagles. Um, so we'll see how that one goes and we'll continue to preview that one on the show later this week. Uh, but now we go back to the calls. Len in Maryland on line two. Len, you're on with Lance and Madeline. Happy Victory Monday. Hey. Yeah, good morning. Or I should say good afternoon. Yeah. Um, hey, you know, nice win. Division rival. Um, it was a long time coming. I mean, you know, we'd lost four in a row. So mm-hmm. that was a good one. Um, a quick report from the DMV. Um, the beat writers down here are really beating up the commanders. And unfortunately, they're starting with the woefulness of the Giants team. Just imagine the commanders couldn't beat the Giants. How bad is that? Kind of an interesting take on their part. Hey, a couple of a couple of kudos. 
um, I'd like to throw out if you can uh, handle this. Um, D- Daniel Bellinger. Yeah. Uh, you know, I was I was concerned about Bellinger's blocking the last couple of weeks, and um, you know, with only um, only two tight ends on the roster yesterday, and playing a lot of two tight end uh, offense, uh, Bellinger did a really nice job blocking and allowing for Waller to get out in there and into the into the lanes and catch some passes. Of course, the big touchdown pass. So kudos kudos to Bellinger. And, you know, I was partially knocking Barkley last week for coming off the field, but when you look at it over the last two games, Saquon is just just, just putting his body out there. Um, you know, just I, I think the last two weeks he's probably played 75 to 80% of the plays. Yeah, he played 84% and, and course, yesterday. Yeah, wow, wow. That's, that's a lot. Yeah. And... Um, I mean, we need him. We need him on the field, even if it's at, you know as a decoy. He just he just makes that kind of difference. Um, I don't know if Madeline has heard me say those things, but I know you have. Finally, finally, a three-man front on defense. Uh, Ashawn Robinson missing in action suddenly gets on the field yesterday. He probably played more downs yesterday than he's played in the last four games, and it made a difference. I would venture to guess. I haven't checked this out folks, but I would venture to guess that every one of their sacks came when we had a three-man front with three guys with their hand in the ground, the three big defensive linemen. I think that's the way we, you know, that's, I think that's the way we beat the Jets. Just put 950 pounds of beef on that front line and shut down that, shut down the run first and let Zach Wilson try to beat us. Um, another sighting yesterday, McLeod on the field, yeah. making yeah. some plays. Wow, he's he's a terrific special teams player, but you know what? Hawkins needs to. I I, I just would prefer at this point in Hawkins' rookie year, I would prefer to see McLeod take some of the snaps away from Hawkins. I think McLeod can play a little bit. Well, he played defense last season when Mm -hmm. they had some injuries, and obviously Adoree was out, and we did see Hawkins get a lot more playing time yesterday after he started the season, and then was moved to the sideline for other guys. I mean, I think, though, it comes back to they got to play him to give him some experience because, I mean, this is yeah. how these guys are going to learn. If you keep them on the yeah. sideline and the opportunity's there, then all of a sudden you wait till the following season and you don't necessarily know what you're working with. But, yeah, McLeod definitely has shown some nice flashes even in years past. So, I mean, you need a reliable yeah. guy like that because you never know when yeah. he has to come in. Yes. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. And he, ca- now, one, and he came thing- in, by the way, Len, real quick. He came in because, if you remember, Deontay Banks needed to go out yep. for a play yes. or two. And McLeod came in, yes. and actually, if memory serves me correctly, McLeod got a deflection yep. on one of the plays when Banks went out. So, And, yeah. and you yeah. had the coaching staff was right in front of McLeod, actually, when he made the play. So they basically gave him a standing ovation <laughs> as he walked off the field. So the timing could have yeah. not been more appropriate. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, good for him. And uh, Pinnock and McKinney continue to play. Boy, have I don't know if those guys have come out, come out, come off the field at all in the last two to three weeks. I mean, they just—I don't know how many total snaps there were yesterday, but they were probably out there for all of them. I mean, really, really, really pretty good to see those guys out there. And they did, yeah. Um, I'm looking it up right now. Both of them played 100 percent of the snaps. Okay, um, if you've got that pace still open, the one thing that continues to concern me, um, and, and one surprise yesterday, and then and then. I'll, you know, I will get off the phone. Thank you. Um, <laughs> um, um, uh, Hyatt, Lance, I'm going to guess 
125 snaps in the last four weeks. How many targets? I, I, I can't. I don't think he's got 10 targets. Uh, well, he had five yesterday, so I, I think he probably has in the ballpark of 10. I mean, I'll bring up his exact number. I mean, he played 71% okay. of the snaps. You said the yes, last three games or the last four games are we talking about? Well, well, I, well I think the last four. The la- yeah, the, the last, last four, he's got over 10. I mean, we're talking about he had... He had five yesterday. Yeah, and he four had four against, against Buffalo, Buffalo, so that's nine right there. And then two against Seattle, and then two against Arizona. So it's the last four he appeared in. And he played regularly, if that's how we're classifying it. He definitely has more than 10. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, he's got more than 10 targets. Oh, yeah. Yep. Okay. But but if you put that in relation to the number of snaps, wow. I mean, he's got to have 125. <laughs> I, I mean, are they, I know he's made some big catches, and it's everything deep, and it looks like just run straight down the field and throw you the ball, Jalen. Um, I'd like to see him get a little more involved on crossing patterns or something. Get the ball in the guy's hands. He can make things happen. Well, it's and, just it's a yeah. little frustrating on my part. It, no, and I understand. I appreciate the phone call, Len. You know, clearly he's that vertical threat that differentiates what also they have on the field. So I think a lot of it has to do with you want him to run routes that is not going to collide with the Hodgins, the Robinsons of the world, because then there's just going to be too much activity in and around the quarterback. So I think the diversity of the route tree probably influences that. Number two, you did see a more intermediate route, if you recall, against Buffalo, where he went up, he made that contested catch. And I think they'll pick their spots and they'll take their chances. But... The reason why somebody like that is so critical is if defenses like Washington are going to put a one-on-one situation with Jalen Hyatt, and Tyra Taylor is going to have the green light. He's going to test them. So it really also goes back to how the defense is playing him. Why would you keep him in those intermediate routes when you can go for the home run and also think about what he does? He clears out his side of the field when he takes that defensive back up the sideline. So now if Taylor has to rely on a shorter route or he gets pressured and he can't get to the home run, he at least has somewhat of a safety valve. So, you know, sometimes players, they run routes and the intended goal you want is for them to get the football, but actually they're opening things up right. for other personnel. Tyrod said field. that after the game too. Yeah. He said yeah. it, it makes the defense play the whole field. Without exactly. a doubt. 100%. Exactly. And it, sure. it creates that threat. And it's just like the way that a mobile quarterback demands a defense puts a spy on him. It demands you take that part of the field seriously. And, you know, you yeah. watch this. One of the New York Revival guys actually slowed down uh, Jalen Hyatt running down the sideline and Benjamin St. Juice. Uh, running alongside him and Hyatt is just running with such ease like it's like you know on a morning jog <laughs> and St. Juice is like putting everything he has into it he was also still, trailing on the plate too and so trailing like, on the plate yeah. but still can't close that gap and it just shows like the ease with which this man has speed Jalen Hyatt is such a special skill set to have um, and it really does like like Tyrod pointed out it, it forces people to take that part of the field seriously well look at the Miami Dolphins and all the speed right. they have I mean it's right. a luxury when you can put that out there it changes things because it stresses the heck out of the defense and oh, yeah. I guarantee you if you talk to St. Just yeah he didn't necessarily have a bowl of fun going up against Hyatt consistently not ideal, not ideal. especially when Cardio there's no safety day. to yeah. help you out exactly yes. cardio yeah. day indeed
Hey, Giants fans, the 2023 NFL schedule is officially out and single game tickets are on sale now. Don't miss the Giants at MetLife Stadium this season. Visit Giants.com slash tickets to secure your seat today. 201-939-4513 is the phone number. It's a Monday Big Blue Kickoff Live with Madeline Burke and Lance Meadow at Madeline Burke at Lance Meadow, M-E-D-O-W, and hashtag Giants Chat as we go back to the phone lines Matt in Vermont is on line three. Matt, you're on with Madeline and Lance. Hi, how are you guys doing? Uh, First time caller, long time listener. Thanks for calling. Um, I just wanted to talk about... Go ahead, Matt. We're listening. All right. Um, I just wanted to say how everything's connected. Um, Seems like things are coming around to the defense lately. And, you know, I think a lot has to do with... Um, the offense sustaining some drives, even if it's not scoring, um, just not constantly going three and out. Um, I know from playing and coaching, a world of difference happens for the defense when you're able to catch your breath before you're back out there. And um, I just really like the direction the defense is heading in. Um, I know a lot was uh, made up with Thibodeau and his development. But I think um, maybe he was just getting gassed out a little early, uh, constantly being on the field. And it seems like all the defensive players, I know Dex, you know, everyone's saying he's a world beater, but I think he's been a world beater all season. It's just that uh, they haven't had a chance to catch their breath with how poorly the offense has been playing. But um, I think it also entails with um, Hyatt and his development. You know, you only can take, so many deep shots that if you don't um, have multiple shots taking deep shots by sustaining a drive, you know, you, if you only get uh, 8, 10, 12 possessions with him on the field, you only can take so many deep shots. And I think we're seeing as the drives are sustained by the offense, the defense looks much better, the young players look better. Um, but I've been really impressed with um, the two rookie corners. I know that. Um, a lot was made in the preseason of, you know, how well Hawkins has been playing. But I I think Banks has more than held his own out there. And it's sure. just refreshing to see young players uh, playing their part in the yeah, I, I think yeah. The, the young corners has been huge. And, and Banks had his first career interception yesterday, too. Sure, it was a floater that must have stayed in the air for yeah. about a century. But yeah, you take it whenever you could get it. Yeah, yeah, Howell did not put very much mustard on that throw. But once again, you'll take those opportunities when you can. And he wasn't a big interception guy in college to begin sure. with because he's a man-to-man cover guy. And they're usually focused not necessarily on the football, but the man, obviously, that they're going mano a mano with. But I do think one of the reasons why maybe the defense is a little bit more comfortable is the younger guys on the back end mm-hmm. have had more experience. And they're now in a zone where they know what to expect from the scheme. They know where they need to be. Because now we're seven games into the season as opposed to we were three and four games into the season. I think Jason Pinnock even talked about that after the game yesterday that he said, you know, look at the Bankses and the Hawkins of the world and the comfort level that they have. And if you have guys on the back end playing very well, maybe it buys a fraction of a second for the guys up front Mm -hmm. to now try to fluster the quarterback and finish. So I I do think that probably if you're looking for maybe what has changed, I don't think Wink Martindale all of a sudden has revamped his scheme. I just think... You have just 
a lot more snaps under your belt for some of these guys. And life in the NFL, you know, is very different from the college game. Right. The comfort level is there and the, you know, the guys, the familiarity is there as well. So, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Matt, thank you so much for the call. Appreciate it. All right. Thank you. Yeah. Good stuff from Matt. And just a reminder as well, the Giants official connected TV streaming app Giants TV brings original video content and game highlights on demand and direct to big blue fans. Giants TV is free on Apple TV, Roku, and Amazon Fire TV, and on the Giants mobile app. It's 201-939-4513 is the phone number. Big Blue kickoff live on Monday, October 23rd with Madeline Burke and Lance Meadow. As we go back to the callers, Scott in New Mexico is on line one. Scott, you're on with Lance and Madeline. Hi, guys. How are you today? Doing well. Right, How are Scott. you? Good. Uh, it wasn't a perfect game yesterday, but it certainly was a, a, a viable win. And the NFL is so crazy. I mean, if you look at some of the games, uh, Buffalo lost, and then now they've lost more games than they lost all of last year. Detroit was supposed to be Super Bowl material. They got demolished by Baltimore. So from game to game, you just don't know what's going to happen. Well, because matchups dictate it, Scott. I mean, we talk about that all the time on the show. You could be a world beater one week and then, to your point, look the opposite. But that's because the matchup. I guarantee you, you know, you look at the Lions, and I don't think the Lions are a bad team. They just, they didn't match up very well, clearly, with the Baltimore Ravens yesterday. Well, and they were down David Montgomery and some significant players as well. And they're, you know, know, any given I mean, they did get Jameer Gibbs back, their other running back. But yes, they, they certainly were missing some key ingredients. But Baltimore, my point is, is a much different challenge than some of the previous opponents that they went up against. And, right. and you can't look beyond that. Right. Uh, as regard to the Giants game, uh, Wondell Robinson, Hyatt, Slayton, and Waller all played wonderful games. But I think Pearson made the most relevant point. Uh, without Saquon Barkley on the field, I don't know what the Giants can do. And that's the thing that scares me because he's such an integral part of the offense. As far as the defense, I think kudos have to be given. And I said this on the very first broadcast uh, when I was on weeks ago. I said if they can get an interior pass rush, they can be, uh, they can have a, a, a game that's indicative of the kind of style they play. And Leonard Williams and Dexter Lawrence had that kind of game yesterday. Uh, they caused havoc. Sure. I think the Giants had seven sacks i'm not sure no, that six six yeah but they had 12 quarterback six. hits okay. so i mean that to me right. is even more important but but they were the difference and uh they actually caused more havoc by then allowing the outside uh, pass rushers uh Thibodeau, and i think it was a j Ward on the other side uh that just with bobby okarake they were just controlling the whole field and made life hell for sam Howell. yeah and that's what they're going to have to do for every game. So my question to you, because of Pearson's comment, that Saquon Barkley is the integral part of the offense, can they maintain themselves as they go further into the season uh, against teams like, uh, obviously they're going to have to play Philadelphia twice and they're going to have to play Dallas again. If they maintain the kind of defense that they've been showing the last couple of weeks and with, their, with the now uh, – I guess the great play of their wide receivers. If they can keep Saquon healthy, can they compete? And that's my basic question because they can beat teams like Washington and uh, good chance to beat the Jets, but can they beat the, the upper echelon teams? And if so, Saquon, does he have to be used more 
in the offense, and is there a balance? Because I don't know what they're going to have scores back up with, you know, um, uh, runners. So I just wanted to get your impression of how important Saquon really is to the team and what they can do with him and to try to keep him healthy. And and I'll take your answers off here, guys. Thanks again. All right, Scott. Thanks, well, Scott. I mean, listen, it goes without saying Saquon's critical, but I mean, also in fairness, whether Saquon's been on the field or not, they haven't necessarily lit up the scoreboard. So, exactly. I mean, Saquon's back yesterday, but... My point is, they only scored 14 points. Right. And I understand that there was the fumble, so maybe they could have had a different end total with respect to a yeah, field goal. fumble but inside the 10 is always tough. Yeah, I mean, it's a killer. You're yeah. knocking on the door right there because, once again, you're completely giving up any scoring opportunity. Forget a touchdown. Maybe you get Graham Gano out there, and maybe he's able to make it a two-score game by tacking on three points. But with respect to the last caller's point, Philadelphia is averaging... 26 and a half points per game. Dallas mm-hmm. is averaging nearly 26 a game. Right. Okay? So this is what I mean by, Madeline, putting more stress on your defense. If you don't get the offensive production up until the... All right, let's be practical here. How about the high teens? Okay? Yeah. Because yeah. right now, the Giants, they're dead last in the NFL. They're averaging 12.1 points per game. Okay? Now, in order to get... I mean, do basic math. In order to average 17 points a game, you know what you got to do in the next few games just to get to 17? You got to okay? put some score... You got to put some points on the board. Correct. You yeah. know, you don't just snap your fingers. So, right. we've got to get to that point before you start talking about entering the territory of the 20 to 25 range. And if the Eagles and the Cowboys, as good as the Giants defense is, if they're able to get even to 23, right. okay, which is not necessarily a clinic day for them, so you want to give the Giants defense credit, I still don't know at this point what this Giants offense is capable of doing, not to mention Philly and Dallas's defenses are not too shabby. Right. And I would argue they have better back ends and complete packages than what Washington has to offer. So to go back to the question, it's not so simple to just say you put Saquon on the field. It's going to take more than Saquon to get the point total up. And that's why I look at, see, to me, Madeline, it's not so much just Saquon being on the field. It's the explosive plays that everybody not named Saquon produced yesterday. Exactly. That's what you need more of. Exactly. And you need more points because you got to be able, like you said, like the point you've made is, is, is taking a little bit of the pressure off of the defense. However... However, if you're winning ugly, better than losing pretty, right? If you're winning sure. ugly, if you're getting 14 to 7 and, you know, having nothing happen in the second half of this game except for a defense and a couple, you know, miscues and what have you, but keeping your head above water, that still goes in the win column. And no brownie points. No brownie points, but yep. you know what? We're we're here for cookies on Victory Monday anyways. <laughs> we're not about well. brownies. Um, but so, you know, you gotta, <laughs> I didn't think we were going to get so technical with desserts. My Pier- apologies. Pearson's over yes. here with the sympathy laugh. Like, what, what kind of tomfoolery is this? But, you know, it, it is a great point. But I, I don't think that the Giants are looking at this points per game differential in terms of the talent gap. I think they're looking at it as more of like, yes, OK, we need to get our scoring up to be able to hang with the, the big dogs in the division to be able sure. to do that. However, if in those matchups, in those specific game days, they can keep that defense to keep the opposing points per game down you know it doesn't really matter what the point per game average is no because it only matters what happens that day but but I'm saying that teams like Dallas and Philadelphia sure they score normally on average no matter who the opponent is battling right in the ballpark of at worst 23 points or something and I, I interestingly I brought up the top scoring defenses and the top scoring offenses in the NFL so just yeah. bear with me here for a second my point is if you look at 
the top defenses, okay? Let's just go top five. It's Baltimore, San Francisco, Kansas City, Dallas, and Buffalo. Right. Those are the top five. So I just want to look at what those five offenses do. Yeah. For the defenses. Yeah. Because, you know, right now, the Giants' defense, point-wise, at least in the last two games, is giving up only what those top-tier defenses are doing. Exactly. Now, they did it over seven games. The Giants are doing it over two. But when you look at San Francisco's offense, Madeline, they're number two in the NFL. Right. They're averaging 31 points a game. Buffalo, as bad as the last two games have been, the Bills are still averaging 28 points a game. Philadelphia, I mentioned, 26. Dallas, Mm -hmm. 25. Miami, 34. And I know they don't have a top five defense. Baltimore, I just want to look up the Ravens. The Ravens are at 24 points per game. So all of them in Kansas City is at 25. So the top five defenses, scoring-wise in the NFL, all have offenses on the flip side that are giving them minimum Minimum 24 points per game. Sure. But then you look at, you know, Indianapolis puts up 38 in a loss. Buffalo, as you mentioned, puts up 25 in a loss. Miami, a team that is used to explosive defense or explosive offense, is held to 17 in their loss. So I think as much as, yes, that is a point of emphasis, you got to get scoring on up. you got to be able to get in the end zone on a consistent basis. If they're finding ways to win, if they're making gumbo, like out of these, sure. if, yeah. if this is the skill set that this team has and they're saying, you know what, okay, if scoring isn't our strong suit, how do we keep ourselves in the win column? How do we find new and creative ways to do that? And, you know, if the pressure's on the defense, pressure's on the defense right now. Ideally, though, we take a little bit of that pressure off the defense and get these guys in the end zone more often. Yeah, and that's why I'm calling for that because my question is, is it sustainable, Madeline? Right, right. What your point is, is you find creative ways, right, regardless of the opponent to win. I just, is it sustainable to say you're always going to have a trick in your back pocket to win a game 14 to 12? Right. Or 17 to 15? Right. You know, it's easier said than done in today's NFL, given how high scores are for the most part, right? I mean, yesterday's game between the Commanders and the Giants was on the complete opposite end of the spectrum of the norm. Heck, they combined, those two teams, for the most punts in a single game so far this season. No one in any combination of teams this season combined for as many punts as the Giants and the Commanders did. So, I mean, that, once again, just goes to show you the rare occurrences that I'm talking about that sometimes happen, even though, to your point, week to week, you could have a very different script. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, You know, and week to week, you know, teams scoring 30-plus points has gone up. Well, I don't know, week six, there was only only two teams, week five. Yeah, either way, scoring, we want to see scoring. We want to get in the end zone. And the fact that the Giants were able to do it in the first half this game, great. Hopefully they can do it in the first and second half, you know, marry them together, all that going forward. But the the positive uh, trajectory of both sides, all three sides of the ball, really. I mean, they made some great plays on special teams as well. Leonard Williams with the block. Leonard Williams with the block field goal. Um, Cam with a great tackle. You know, there were were some, some significant plays in the fact that all three sides of the ball are trending in the right direction. It's got to lead to some optimism here for this team. Without a doubt. Also, you didn't give up a big return to Washington. Exactly. That gave them more favorable field position. Here's another positive that we didn't bring up. Four penalties, only two on offense. Because we were talking about pressure, sacks. What was also hurting the Giants at times was penalties on the offensive line. Yeah. And other than the Justin Pugh holding penalty, you didn't really think watching that game of something that interrupted the flow of the offense. And that, to me, was also a step in the, dire- the right direction. They minimized 
what normally has been costly mistakes. Right. And they've come twofold. They've come with turnovers. They've come with pressure. They've come with penalties. Well, yesterday, you, for the most part on offense, remember, Saquon was the only one that had the offensive turnover. Shepard was special teams. Exactly. So you have to split those up. The pressure, for the most part, they gave Tyrod Taylor time. And like Mm -hmm. I said, the penalties were down. So those three things that we've been talking about on a weekly basis— they weren't prevalent in the conversation yesterday, and that was big, too. Exactly. Positive building blocks, indeed, as they look ahead to the Jets at MetLife Stadium. The Snoopy Bowl regular season version takes the stage in <laughs> well, week eight. Uh, there's no trophy, though, up for Krebs. I know. Yeah, only, that's only, only perhaps the preseason. I think they did away with that anyway. So They did. They yeah. did. But you know what? It was fun while it lasted. Um, there you go. We'll always have Snoopy. How about we'll that? We'll always yes. have Snoopy, indeed. All right. Well, that's our show for today. Uh, it's been fun recapping. The win. It's always fun on a victory Monday to get in here and say, look at this. Look what they did. Uh, and, and, and talk about the cookies too. Talk Let's about, not the about that. Right. There is a cafeteria full of cookies on victory. It's a tradition. Unlike any other victory Monday cookies. So it's cookie points as opposed to brownie points. Is exactly. That exactly. You want us to adopt now moving forward. I mean, obviously. I have to change now my jargon. Obviously okay. Lance. I'm glad you finally okay. picking it I'm up. I'm sorry. I, I'm very <laughs> slow to this new movement. That is uh Picking up trends. We're so, rebranding yes. here. Uh, brownie points are great, but cookie points are better. Uh, <laughs> all right. Thanks so much for listening to today's episode of Big Blue Kickoff Live. Madeline Burke and Lance Meadow. BBK is a part of the Giants podcast platforms everywhere and Giants.com slash podcast. Let us know what you think. Like, comment, review, subscribe, all that good stuff. Uh, thanks for hanging with us this afternoon. We'll see you next time. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details.